Well, if you have your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verse number 9 today, Colossians chapter number 1 and in verse number 9. I'm so thankful for Hunter and these guys leading us in worship this morning. And uh, this morning, I'm, I'm actually picking up from last week. Uh, everything in life, when you talk about everything that we have, everything exists for a purpose. I mean, when we create things, we create things for a purpose. We don't just create things just to say we created it, uh, but rather we create things for a purpose. And uh, <clears throat> my baseball glove, this is an old glove, but, but these gloves were created for a purpose. And uh, this glove was created to be worn. It wasn't created. It doesn't matter how fancy the glove is or or, or, or what the brand is, it, 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 it's not intended to be created <clears throat> and then to be thrown out on the field. If you think about uh, if that glove right there is thrown in the perfect position on the right field, uh, you put it out there at shortstop because there's home plate over there, uh, and you put it out there at shortstop, <clears throat> you, this glove by itself is not worth a whole lot of anything. I mean, it's just going to miss out on action. It's going to miss out on the purpose for which it has been created because it wasn't created to be all alone. It wasn't created to function in and of itself, but it was created to be <clears throat> put on a hand, to be filled with a hand. And so, and so this specific glove was created to be filled with a hand. Now, having said that, again, now he's in the game of life, <clears throat> and this, this glove was created in such a way that it's actually created to be used by a shortstop. This is not what we would call an outfielder's glove. You could use it in the outfield, but to, for, for maximum, really for the maximum potential uh, out of this glove, it's not intended to be used by an outfielder because the fingers aren't long enough to be playing in the outfield with it, although you could. You could use it at first base, but it's not a first baseman's mitt. It's not a catcher's mitt because a catcher's mitt needs a little bit more padding than what this glove brings to the table. It's not to be used by a third baseman, although you could use it there. The pocket can be a little bit deeper for third baseman's it's intended to be used by a shortstop for maximum potential. And you know, when you're talking about life, so are we created uh, 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 to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And not only that, but we were created for unique and divine purposes. That's why we were created. Last week we talked about the sanctity of life and what the sanctity of life is all about is just recognizing that God Almighty who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence also created you and he created me and he created us uniquely, divinely, divinely put together and knit together in my mother's womb. The Bible says over in Psalm 139, picking up from where we left off last week, in Psalm 139 the Bible says, for you, God form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your books, your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one <clears throat> of them. God put us together. He knit us together and he knit us together uniquely for a divine purpose. That's what he did. In fact, the Bible says over in Ephesians chapter number two and verse number 10, for we are God's workmanship. And he's talking here about Christians, believers that once were filled with the Holy Spirit of God, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the works that he has 
prepared for us in advance. In other words, man, he designed you. He didn't just knit you together and forget about you and say, wow, isn't that a wonderful creation, even created after my image? No, he didn't forget about you there. He said, but, but I'm creating you for a divine purpose for plans that I have prepared for you. And when we're talking about these plans, it all begins. It begins with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. For God so loved the world, John 3 and verse number 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know, the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It separates us from a holy God. Our sin separates us from his righteousness and his holiness. But God loved you and God loved me. And the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. There's a, there's a payment to be paid because of our sin. And it is death. And that's the reason why Jesus Christ came. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful this morning that we have a God in heaven that didn't just create us and walk away from us, but he created us and he knew that I would struggle. He knew that I would sin. He knew that I would fall short of his glory. And yet he chose to come and pay the price for my sin to rescue me from the grave. I'm thankful. You know, when you're talking about purchasing something, <clears throat> when you're talking about purchasing something, we pay, we pay whatever value we put on the item that we're gonna be purchasing. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been shopping? Last couple of days, Bonnie and I had the opportunity to get away for our 31st anniversary. It happened a month ago, but we finally got away a couple of days. And, uh, and during that time, we, we went out shopping because, I mean, it was nasty weather. And so, and so we went out and, and, we, and we did shopping therapy. That's what my wife calls it. <clears throat> she actually calls it her mission field. That's, we're gonna do mission activity. Mission activity. How are you going to say no to mission activity? And so, and so we would go out there shopping. And it's interesting when you're shopping because, you know, as a shopper, you're going to pay what you value something. Some people will say, man, here's, here's the price I'm going to charge you. And you say, get lost because uh, I don't see the, that value. But aren't you? Here, here's the deal. What, what, why are you saying that? Because God Almighty saw you and he saw me and said, you are so precious to me that I will send my son and he will shed his blood on a cross for you and for me. That's how valuable you are to our heavenly father. And when you're talking about our purpose and our plan that he has for each one of us, it didn't stop with just salvation. Unfortunately, a lot of times people just grow content because man, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm saved by his grace and I'm grateful that my eternity is secure. And that is wonderful. And that is reason to praise. And that is reason to get excited and say hallelujah and all of those wonderful things. Wonderful, wonderful. But listen, there's still life to live. There's life to live, and he hasn't forgotten about you, and he didn't just stop and say, well, once they're saved, then praise God, it's all over. No, he's empowering you and enabling you to live a life that brings honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. When you're talking about the Apostle Paul, Paul's great ambition in life was to glorify God, whether in his life or in his death. And his purpose for himself, his passion for himself, was also his passion that he felt for others other people. He said, man, I pray to God, I pray to God that you would know his will. Why? So that you might glorify your heavenly father in heaven to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And so when you're talking about living life, <clears throat> when you're talking about living life and, 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 and our gifts, how do we bring glory to Jesus Christ? We just let them see 
who is in us clearly. That's what we do. There's no way. Hey, and let, apart from God's will, apart from God's will, if I'm not living out God's will for my life, then I'm stifling, I'm cutting into his glory. I mean, he made me for unique purposes. And God help me, God help me to understand what your will is. You know, a lot of times what we do, and this is what happens, it happens in life when you're talking about life. Athletics, I, I like athletics, I like watching sports and stuff like that. But when you're talking about sports, we, we, we rate these athletes, right? And, and yet, you know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden you got somebody coming out and say, man, there's a five-star athlete or there's a two-star athlete, whatever that, whatever that means, all right? Uh, uh, but, but, but here's what grieves my heart is sometimes you'll have a five-star athlete that's given a two-star performance, and there's really nothing more disgusting than seeing somebody going half-hearted on an athletic field. But I wonder, I wonder how many people are gifted with five talents in Jesus Christ and only given them two. God help me. God help me to bring honor and glory to your name along the way. Question before we move forward. Just a question. Are, are you here because you believe God called you to this place? You know, a lot of times we, we, we talk about a preacher, you know, and we want to know, we, we want to know, did God call you here? Well, the same God that called me here calls you here. The same God that has plans for my life has plans for your life. Do, do you believe, number one, that God called you here? Number two, do you believe that you're doing what he called you to do? Are, are you doing? Are you living a life that he called you to live along the way? <clears throat> God help me to glorify him. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 9, the apostle Paul is praying. And uh, <clears throat> he says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience joyously, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints." Of light, and, uh, and and I'm grateful <clears throat> to God. When you're talking about what's happening here, and what's 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 the Apostle Paul talking about? For this reason, also since the day we heard of it, and uh, and so he begins praying uh, a prayer, and, and and excited about what God's doing. He heard he heard that there was a, a fellow by the name of Epaphras. When you read back up into verse number seven, who had come and had gotten saved, and Epaphras was so excited about the Lord Jesus Christ that he went back home to Colossae. And when he went back home to Colossae, he couldn't help but just share what God was doing and what God had been doing in his life. And, and he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And people began to respond. And the whole church was planted because one person was so excited about Jesus and God was using him in a powerful way. And the Apostle Paul caught wind of it and wrote this letter, had never been among these people, but he writes to them. And he includes in this letter this prayer for these people that he's never seen. And when you're talking about this prayer, the Apostle Paul, he prayed prayers. He didn't just say prayers. And there's a big difference when we're talking about our prayer life. 
He prayed prayers rather than just simply saying prayers. How many times do we just simply say prayers? You know what I'm talking about when we talk about saying prayers? In other words, we sit down at the dinner table and say, God is great, God is good. Let us thank for you by the hand of our bread. Amen. Saying a prayer. So many times in athletics, you know, we, we want to pray before we play, you know. Our Father, heart, name, I believe I am. King come, will have done. Earth as it is in heaven. Give us a day, be Forgive us our Amen. You say, you didn't even know what you just said. Yeah, neither did anybody else. Saying prayers. But rather just to pray prayers, man. The Apostle Paul is praying. And in this prayer, I believe he's praying one of the greatest prayers. Hey, listen. I believe he's praying one of the greatest prayers we could ever pray over our children. I believe, that God, I believe that the Apostle Paul's prayer here is the greatest prayer I can ever pray for you or you could ever pray for me. He's praying a prayer. You know, everybody prays when you're talking about prayer. I, I, in fact, I read a statistic this week said most all people, even atheists praise. And, I, and, and it really caught my attention. said even atheists praise. And I was like, atheists pray, man? What do they pray? To whom it may concern? How do they pray? I don't know how they pray, but everybody prays in some way. People pray. God, teach me how to pray. He's praying and he says, for this reason, since the day I heard of it, what? Heard of your salvation, man, that God's doing a great work. We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with all knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's just simply saying, number one, to pray that you would know the will of God. I pray that you would know that you would know the will of God. George W. Truist made this statement, thought it was a great statement. To find the will of God is life's greatest discovery. To know the will of God is life's greatest knowledge. To do the will of God is life's greatest achievement. To be filled with the knowledge of his will it means to be controlled by, to, to be controlled by, to be motivated by. That's why I do what I do is because I believe that I'm doing the will of God. To be controlled by his will means <clears throat> that is exactly who and what I am living for. So the question would be, how do you know the will of God? How do you know the will of God? It's a great question. And by the way, when we're talking about the will of God, oftentimes when we talk about the will of God, people immediately jump to the next 50 years of my life, vocationally, what am I going to do? When, when we're talking about the will of God, we're talking about moment by moment, day by day, because at the end of the day, I don't know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. But I know what he's called me to today, to know the will of God. How do you know the will of God? Well, uh, one way we know the will of God is through the word of God, through the word of God. In fact, when we're talking about the will of God, it's so interesting because the will of God, and, and I'm not talking chapter and verse here, but I'm saying the will of God, we have what, we would, what I would call uh, the general will of God. We have the general will of God. What is the general will of God? <clears throat> it's what God desires for each and every believer on the face of the planet. And so we find that in his word. In his word, for example, the Bible says, I want you to love. I want you to love. Love the brethren. I want you to, to love your enemies. I want you to be a loving person. Pray. I want you to forgive. I want you to be robed with humility. I don't want you to be stealing from 
people. I don't want you to be lying. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to make disciples. I mean, there's the general will of God that applies to every last person in this place. And we find it in God's word. When you're talking about God's word, God's word, the Bible, the Bible is not to be approached just simply because we want to exercise ourselves intellectually. God's word is not written so that we can have theological debates about oftentimes things we don't even know what we're talking about. If we would just do what we knew rather than talk about what we don't know, then how much further would we be? God's word was written not just so that we could discuss. It's not written so that we could walk around and say, man, I got all the answers. It's not written. God didn't give us his word so that we could be big-headed, but rather so that we could be hot-hearted. That's what his word will do for us if we'll put it into practice. I know his will because it's written in his Word, generally speaking, for all of us. There's practical application. The Bible says in James chapter number 1 and in verse number 22, James 1 and verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves to be doers of the word. And when you're talking about knowledge and understanding and wisdom, there's difference between knowledge and and understanding and in wisdom, knowledge is, is attained. Knowledge is attained through study. Wisdom is a gift of God granted to us. And God, help me to be knowledgeable and understanding and wisdom in your ways. So we understand the will of God, generally speaking, uh, just through the Word of God. And by the way, listen, the general will of God and the specific will of God will never contradict themselves. What do you mean by that? We're going to get into the specific will of God. The specific will of God is when the voice of God speaks into my life through the empowering and enabling of His Holy Spirit. Just be careful because His Holy Spirit is never going to lead you and guide you contrary to what His Word says. What do you mean by that? What, what, what do you mean? Here, here's a practical illustration. A practical illustration, for example, would, would, would let me just throw this one out there. So you got a husband and a wife who just have grown apart and they just don't love each other anymore. And, and, and one or the other gets on fire and, and they just start growing in Jesus Christ and they say, man, I don't know, but I just feel like my marriage now is just this weight for me spiritually and I just need to start all over. I just need to reset. I just need to walk away from my spouse, my spouse so that I could... Be happy. Well, God's not leading you in that direction. You all right? God's not leading you there. So don't go there. <clears throat> prayer. So, so the word of God, but then we have prayer. And, and, and through prayer and through his voice, he calls us to specifics. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for which that is dissipation, but be filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. It's, it's a still small voice that he speaks. So God called me, for example. I know that one of, one of the things he's led me to is pastoring. But I believe that he not only leads me to pastoring, but even to a specific place and to a specific people. I believe that with all of my heart. How do you know that? Because he spoke to me. I heard the voice. And there's no greater joy and pleasure 
than knowing that I am where I am doing what I'm doing because that's exactly who God called me to be and exactly where God called me to be. Have you ever heard his voice? I just wonder. I had so many questions when I was thinking about this text of Scripture. And we have a lot of voices that go on. We, we've got so many voices going on. And, you know, the Bible says that how does God speak to us? He speaks through his word, but his voice. How, do, how does his voice speak to us? It's a still, small voice. It's a still, small voice. <clears throat> And I wonder how many times we miss the still small voice because we're so crowded by so many loud voices. I, I just wonder. I just wonder how many times the Holy Spirit of God is trying to lead us and guide us into divine opportunities so that we might do His will. Not so that we can say, wow, I'm doing His will, but so that He might be glorified through the work that I do because I'm doing the work within His will. Does that make sense? The specific will of God. He has plans and he has purposes for you and for me. And God, help me to hear what you're saying in my life. We've got to have times of separation. We've got to have times of isolation. We've got to have times of solitude in order to hear the word of God. I mean, seriously, ask yourself the question. Has ever been, when's the last time I, I just sat still in God's presence? Sometimes we're so busy serving and sometimes I think that we love serving more than we love the Savior that we are serving. And really the greatest commandment in Scripture, the greatest commandment in Scripture is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you love him enough just to sit still for a minute and disconnect? We, we, we live in a world that's so connected, and I, I get it. It's, some of it is a little bit generational. What do you mean by that? It means I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not old, but I'm not young. I'm somewhere in the middle. All depends on who you ask. <laughs> but I feel like I'm kind of in that generation that's in an in-betweener where, where, where I can say, I can say, <clears throat> I'm going to put my phone in and I'm going to shut it off. And I can rejoice in saying that. <laughs> I don't break out in cold sweats when I shut it off. And it's unfortunate, the world we live in, because our younger generation really has a difficult time shutting off. And how many times do you, just, just practical question, how many times you sat down with the intent to be quiet with God and you put your phone beside you and you put the Bible in your hands and that phone's just buzzing? You know what the phone is? It's a voice saying, hey! Hey! And God's trying to speak. And how many times have we missed out on the voice of God because of the voices of the world? He speaks in still small ways. Jesus himself, Jesus himself built in moments of solitude with his Father. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear God. I want to spend time with my heavenly Father. God, help me to know your will. He says in verse number 9, <clears throat> we're praying that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Asking for that. Be faithful in the walk, he goes on, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. 
saying, number one, I, I, I want to know his will, but number two, I want to be faithful in his walk. It's one thing to know his will. It's another thing to do his will. And he's saying, man, I, I pray that you not just know the will of your father, but that you'd be faithful in the walk before your father. When you're looking at this passage of scripture, it's interesting how he labels believers. He says, to the saints, to the saints and the faithful brethren. In other words, man, it's a high and holy calling that we have in Jesus Christ. And he says, I pray that you'd walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Why? Because, again, the purpose for which we have been called is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I'm not faithful in my walk, listen, if I'm not faithful in my walk, I do more damage to the glory of Jesus Christ than a lost world could do in a hundred lifetimes. It's, it's compromising Christians. It's, it's compromising Christians that do damage to the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. That's, that's how we work. That's how we roll. How many times do you, do you who, who, who you don't know much about a certain place, and yet you label a place because somebody that was representing that institution got on your nerves? You ever had that happen? I, I, I'm just saying. I, I, there's a lot of different places that I don't want to be. One of them is South Carolina. <laughs> the, the Gamecocks, the Gamecocks. I, 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 man, you know why? Because I was trying to get my bat off a rack one time and I had a dude having his feet on my bat. And then he said something that I can't say. And for that reason, I just think South Carolina Gamecocks are a bunch of punks. <laughs> But I know that's this little silly story. But I wonder how many people, how many people, the old, the, the old saying, you're the only gospel some people will ever read. Whether you like it or not, it's true. Jesus himself said, hey, hey, you, you want to know how important it is that you be faithful in your walk? A city that is set on a hill, Matthew chapter number 5, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the light of the world. What kind of light do they say Jesus is? Because I'm a light bearer for him. My, my purpose is to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I must walk in a manner worthy of his calling. And a lot of times what we do is we compromise along the way. In fact, what we are and who we are oftentimes are people that have grown very much like professional Christians. In other words, man, it's what I do on Sunday. And we dichotomize our lives such that, man, on Sunday I'm all about Jesus. But on Monday it's business. It's a different story. And God help me understand. It's not a one day a week. It's a full-time calling 24-7, 365 days of the year. God, help me to be faithful <clears throat> in my walk. He goes on down there. He says, I want to be, be fruitful in the work that you're doing. 
Be fruitful in the work that you're doing. In verse number 10, he says this, continuing, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. In other words, man, not just talking about mere intellectual knowledge, but experiential growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. How does that work practically speaking? He's saying, man, I want you to be fruitful in the knowledge of God, in the work of God. In other words, here's what happens to us along the way. He, he wants us to know Him. It's relational. It's relational. He wants us to know Him to deeper levels. For example, He says, I, I want you to love people. I want you to, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I want you to forgive people. How many times? Seven? No, 70 times seven. A spirit of forgiveness. That's the calling that we have. And, and, and we don't say, well, you just don't know what they did. Oh, yeah, He does. <laughs> he does. And he says, still live with that spirit. And you know what I have found to be true? Is what God calls us to do, he enables us to do by the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit and dwelling within us. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so what happens to us is if I say, I want to bring honor, I want to bring glory, then we, we live life on a new level with the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding and experiencing his power in a way that I wouldn't otherwise. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, man, I, I'm praying for you that you would grow <clears throat> in knowledge and in, 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 in the knowledge of God, increasing in the knowledge of his God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. And I'm glad he added that word joyously. But he's saying, hey, listen, he will enable you. John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. And so God in his word is saying, I want you to be fruitful. The apostle Paul is praying, I want you to be fruitful in your work. And, and it happens in a lot of different ways. One way is what he does within us, within us. He, he is fruitful within us. How so? Galatians says it like this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. He, he begins to grow and develop those attributes within the life of a believer. When we're walking with Him, He, he enables us to do what He calls us to do. And so no matter what comes my way, man, I can experience His joy. I can experience His peace because it's not built on my circumstances. It's built on the one who's living within me. And he's saying, be fruitful in your work on the inside, but also on the outside. Also on the outside. God wants to use you and he wants to use me to impact and to reach others for his glory. He wants us to show Jesus, to share Jesus with other people. And God help me to live a life in such a way that I do that. To impact our world. Epaphras was one that impacted the world. A church existed because he just got excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. He he was passionate about the things of God. He wants to use you to reach the world. <clears throat> now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask, imagine, or think. The one who empowers us, enables us for his glory's sake. God help me to be surrendered to him. I don't know what God's calling you to today, but I think that a lot of times we put limitations on God. A lot of times we struggle with those things that, that God, are, God might be calling us to. Well, who am I? I mean, I mean that, that was, even when you're looking through Scripture, you find that time and time and time again. I, I don't think that I can do what you're calling me to do. Moses, 
was the poster boy. Moses was the one that said, man, God, I stutter. <laughs> you don't know who I am. You don't know. How insulting is that to an omnipotent God? If I'm calling you to do it, I will enable you to do it. Be careful. Be careful that you don't set limitations on what God wants to do. In fact, in fact I would even say, <clears throat> you can't do it. You are the perfect candidate. Because he doesn't want to share his glory with one that says, oh, I can do it. But rather, when God moves, we can say, to God alone be the glory. So I, I pray that you'd be fruitful in your work, attaining all steadfastness. What does it mean, steadfastness? That means, that means all steadfastness, to continue to carry on in the midst of difficult circumstances. Why does he say that? Well, because he knows that along the way, when you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be difficulties that come into your life. Difficult times will come your way when you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It happens along the way. He says, man, I pray that you grow in your steadfastness, that you wouldn't quit, that you wouldn't give up. And a lot of times people give up. Man, there have been times over the years when you feel like giving up. I'm telling you, man, there have been times in ministry that have been overwhelming when it feels like, man, I just need to throw in a towel. I'm telling you, you ever been on the side of the road where your driver was killed in an accident and you feel like, man, what in the world? What am I doing? Maybe it's time to throw in the towel. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, and verse number nine, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we should reap a harvest if we don't give up. And I think sometimes we miss out on God's greatest harvest in our life because we just were overwhelmed and got tired and we quit. Paul's praying. He says, man, I pray that you would grow in your steadfastness. But not only in your steadfastness, he goes on and he says, but I pray also that you would grow in your patience. In other words, what's he talking about? Well, he goes from difficult circumstances to difficult people. Why would he go there? Because we deal with difficult people. <laughs> I am a difficult person. I, I have a friend of mine that says, man, I would love the ministry if it weren't for the people. <laughs> We're people. And God help us to grow in our patience with one another. But he says, I'm praying that you grow in your steadfastness and patience joyously. In other words, it's not just pulling up your bootstraps and saying, mm, I'm going to love them in Jesus. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, man, I, that you, you do what you do, whether it be difficult circumstances or difficult people, with the heart that overflows with joy. God, help me to know your will. Help me to walk in your way. Help me to be fruitful in your work. And then verse number 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. To be grateful for his ways. To be thankful. Just to be thankful that he has allowed me to be a part of his kingdom work, knowing that he's keeping the score. To be thankful. You know, throughout Scripture, we're called to be thankful. The Old Testament, you find it again and again and again and again and again. The New Testament, we need to be thankful people. Why do we need reminding? Because we quickly, we quickly 
lose our gratitude and become expectant. And when we don't get what we think we deserve, we get ticked off. God help me to be a thankful person, a grateful person. September the 8th, 1860, <clears throat> there was a ship called the Lady Elgin that was setting sail actually in Lake Michigan. As they sailed out in Lake Michigan, it was rammed by another boat and the ship began to sink. In fact, if you read back in history, more people died in that shipwreck than any other shipwreck on Lake Michigan, chilly waters. But there was a fellow by the name of Ed Spencer. Ed Spencer was a college student at the time, a Bible college student at the time, and he was an, a swimmer. And he swam out, and he was able, he was able, they say, to save 17 people. <clears throat> he himself suffered lifelong injuries as a result of what he did that day. And as an older man, he was interviewed one day, and they asked him about his recollection from the shipwreck and what had taken place years ago. He says, I, I don't remember a lot about that day. But one thing that impressed me the most is that over the years, I've never had one survivor come back to say thank you. And I thought about that, and I thought, I wonder how many of us every day aren't stopping long enough to say, hey, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for being, allowing me to be a part of your kingdom's work. Thank you that you haven't forgotten about me. Thank you that you'll never forsake me. Thank you that you're preparing a place for me. Thank you that you're coming back again one of these days for me. Thank you that you're empowering me, enabling me to do and to be what you've called me to do and who you've called me to be. Thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ. My purpose in life is to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and my question this morning is, are you fulfilling the purpose for which you've even been created? Are you fulfilling the purpose for which you have been created? It begins with a relationship, but then it, it's fellowship. It's fellowship. God, help me be faithful along the way. You know, I, I, I would encourage you, even in the morning, even in the morning, <clears throat> I'm not a solo singer. I, I, I know my limitations. I promise you I do. I'm not a solo singer, but, but, but I believe this to be true. I know this to be true. I know that God inhabits the praises of his people. I know that God loves it when, when, when the song that he puts on our heart is sung back to him. You know, that, that, that's what the requirement to sing. It's a song. It's, it, it's not the voice. It's the song. And I would just encourage you maybe even to start your days with a little tune. It says, in my life, Lord. You ever heard that song? It says, in my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Today, I wonder if every day we woke up and we greeted our Heavenly Father that way, that that, that became the prayer of my life. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified today. How will I do it? I got to know his will. I got to know his will. 
I want to walk in his way. I want to be fruitful in his way. And I want to be thankful. God, help me today. Would you join me for prayer? We're going to pray today, and after we pray, we're going to sing a song. And after we sing that song, maybe this morning you're here and you would say, you know what, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never been saved. Never. I'm like that glove that's just laying on a field. Lifeless. Man, today you can call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and experience abundant life. And so this morning I'm encouraging you, if you've never called on his name, to call on his name today. Call on the name of Jesus. Hey, let me ask you a question, brother and sister. Are you where you are because God called you to that place? And are you doing what you're doing because God called you to that work? Moment by moment, day by day. Oh God, I want to bring glory to your name. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love. God, thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Lord Jesus, you've blessed us in a lot of ways. And I thank you for the many, many blessings. Father, today I'm just mindful. Even two that are with us, Hanan and Giovanni. God, faithfully serving you down on the big river in Brazil. People groups desperately needing Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness to them. And I pray, God, that you would help them grow knowledge and understanding, steadfastness. Oh, God, strengthen them today. Bless them today. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you so much again for this opportunity to respond to you during these days of grace. You've been good to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.